The focus turns from Kutuzov's historic retreat through Austria to Prince Andrei, who serves as a vehicle to bring us to the new center of Austrian power, which is in Brunn. It's now in the Czech Republic, but was then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. That ancient city in Czech is pronounced Brno. And with the mention of Brunn, we are also getting closer, both in time and space, to where the famous Battle of Austerlitz took place. Tolstoy has the fictional Prince Andrei as having served under the historical general Schmidt, who had been killed by friendly fire in the Battle of Durenstein. Andrei's horse also took a shot, and his hand was grazed by a bullet. So after the victory, there was the need to have an appropriate representative sent to the Austrian court to convey a battlefield report and collect any military awards that might be forthcoming. That turns out to be André. Now, their seat of government had moved because Vienna was under threat, and André, during his trip, felt quite content and satisfied, as if he was filled with purpose. He was escorted in a carriage over new-fallen snow, alone with his thoughts. When he would close his eyes, the roar of musketry and cannon filled his ears, mingling with the rumble of the wheels. At first he dreamed that he himself was killed and his countrymen were driven from the field. He would come to and realize it was the French who had fled. He had a keen grasp of what transpired during the battle, including his own bravery, which he was readying himself to relay. At one point, he passed a convoy of wounded countrymen. He stopped and inquired where they fought and what the latest reports of success were. He wished the men well and gave them some gold pieces to share. When he reached Brun, it was night, and he took in the atmosphere of the lively city, the impressive buildings, the pretty shops, and the cobblestone streets. He imagined getting a quick and enthusiastic audience before the Holy Roman Emperor. But somewhat to his shock, he was made to wait by this bureaucrat and that one, and he felt continuously personally insulted. He immediately grasped that the people he was going to speak to sat behind the lines, making the decisions to send so many to their death without putting their own necks on the line. His mind faulted them for not knowing of the fight and people involved. He was eventually brought into the Minister of War, a small, elderly man who was bent over some papers and working with a pencil, which likely reminded André of the aloofness of his father. The minister didn't even raise his eyes at the door opening or the footsteps getting louder. André felt that there was an irony in the Minister of War not at all being absorbed in the realities of war. When the minister did finally acknowledge André, he did so with a condescending smile that further upset the prince. The minister was already aware that there was what he would regard as a small encounter with General Montier, and that it was high time there was news of any victory, but he was most affected by the loss of Field Marshal Schmidt the minister does say that the emperor will wish to see him, so André should go get rested and await a call, and bids him au revoir. 
Andre then finds himself staying with an old acquaintance of his, Belieben, who is a respected diplomat to Austria. They had both spent time in the same St. Petersburg set. Belieben is described as 35 years of age and unmarried. He had a thin, worn, and sallow face, covered in deep wrinkles. He had small eyes, but they had a twinkle to them. These two got to know each other even better when they had an opportunity to spend time when André was serving Kutuzov in Vienna. As André had prospects in military life, given his aristocratic background, the same was so with Belieben in the area of diplomacy. Your station in life and the level of government service had a great deal to do with if you were part of the nobility. Some of the more hard-working aristocrats, their parents had them start young. As here it's noted, the fictional Belieben started at about 16 when he had served in Paris and Copenhagen. Tolstoy notes that he had more capability than just being able to speak French. Importantly, he was regarded as an excellent writer in terms of the memos and circulars and reports that diplomats would prepare. Belieben was thrilled to host André. They sat down to eat, attended to by servants, and chatted beside a fire. They were both content to speak to a fellow countryman, but notably did so in French. And there was also noted to be a special wit to Belieben. When he wanted to make a point, he could do so cleverly and get to the heart of a matter with just a few words. Slowly in the conversation, André is getting the idea that nobody is that impressed with the message he enthusiastically came to bear. And Tolstoy has a terrific ability to convey the nature of this somewhat lost profession, the 19th century European diplomat, as he had ambassadors as well as prominent military figures in his own family background. One of the main characters of this novel, Pierre, was previously noted to have considered going into diplomacy as a profession, but decided against it. Tolstoy makes the point that such a position is not one for someone with such a true spirit as perhaps his most famous literary character. So what we have in Bilibin is a polished wordsmith who had a remark for all occasions. Significantly, he was never a bore but could move from drawing room to drawing room, or salon to salon, and fit in quite well with all levels of elite society. As André relayed the engagement and subsequent cold reception by the war minister, the diplomat responded with characteristic wit. He said, with all proper respect for the Russian Orthodox army, I must say that your victory was not particularly victorious. For André didn't know, and it was up to Bilibin to relay, Napoleon had taken Vienna, and he took it without a fight. Essentially, Vienna had been abandoned, and very poorly defended in the few places where defenses remained, such as at the infamous Tabor Bridge. Before hearing this, André was trying to push the narrative that any victory could serve as a spiritual boost to an army that runs on morale as fuel. And how much better Kutuzov's forces did than the Austrian forces at Ulm. Still, it becomes clear the Holy Roman Emperor, Francis II, 
will not be jubilant. Now this King Francis, who André will get a meeting with, served as the Holy Roman Emperor from 1792 to 1806 and first Emperor of Austria from 1804 to 1835. He also had titles as the King of Hungary and Croatia, but ultimately his title as Holy Roman Emperor was abolished by Napoleon in 1806. King Francis essentially suffered continuous defeat after defeat from Napoleon that weakened Austria as an imperial power. He was eventually influenced to marry his daughter, Marie-Louise, to Napoleon in 1810 after he divorced Josephine. André also gets the message that Austria doesn't want to receive messages of Cattuso's victories, but wants news of their own triumphs. And more so now that one of their most capable field marshals was likely killed by friendly fire from the Russians. André could hardly take all of this in. He learns that Napoleon has stayed or is staying at the palace at Chambrun, which has over 1,400 rooms and a vast garden and reflected the identity of the Habsburg monarchy. All of this, coming in strategic dribs and drabs, blew André's mind. He inquires if this means the campaign is over. Bilibin believes that it is, and that the only question is what will happen during a prospective meeting between Tsar Alexander and the King of Prussia, Frederick Wilhelm III. If Prussia joins against the French, the campaign will go on. If not, this is a sign of coming capitulation and treaties. Despite his own side losing, André is enamored by Napoleon. There's a spirit of admiration that takes hold of him. He smashes down the table and notes what luck the man has. Quelle chance c'est Thomas. Bilibin summarizes that Austria has been rendered a fool and will likely wish to preserve her honor somehow. Peace will be sued for to the detriment of the Tsar. As the conversation ended and Prince André retired, he felt so far removed from the battle. He focused on many things as he fell asleep. Bonaparte's triumph, Austria's likely treachery, what will Prussia do, his meeting the next day. And once again when sleeping, he relived the battle he was in, where he rode right alongside the deceased Marshal Schmidt with bullets whipping all around, and he felt the most extreme appreciation and joy of living.